0: Hi, I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Lebel. This is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. Recently, a medical educator wrote me in response to an earlier podcast. This one was called, How a Small Change in What You Say Can Improve Your Patient Education. She thanked me for giving a name to the problem that is a deficit perspective. She knew what it was. She didn't know it had a name. She pointed out the tension between Approaching a patient focused on the problem, and approaching a patient holistically. That is, keeping in mind people's individual strengths, and also the resources of the communities they come from. As an educator, I appreciate that tension. Providers face shrinking time to forge relationships with patients, pressure to adhere closely to what works, and accountability requirements that eat into their time and may even contradict their professional judgment. So there's no time to mess things up with a deficit perspective. In this episode, I'll show you just how common deficit perspectives are in healthcare, and then give you two things you can do to turn away from a deficit perspective in your practice. Welcome to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication with Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel, providing you with tips and strategies you can use to improve your patient engagement. In case you haven't heard, I've written a workshop that helps you dig down and get better at one specific kind of language you use all the time, metaphors. We all use them, and they're powerful teaching tools, but they can also backfire. So I've made a one-hour, on-demand workshop for you, showing you how to break down the metaphors you use, understand their cognitive and affective aspects, and evaluate them in use. And it's right on healthcommunicationpartners.com. Links in the show notes. So what is a deficit perspective anyway? Now, I've addressed deficit perspective before and relating it to seeing patients as empty containers to be filled, passive recipients, not people with lives, thoughts, histories, resources, It can also relate to maintaining a focus on what a patient doesn't understand, doesn't do, what a patient's situation lacks, what it seems his or her community can't provide. It can also refer to a focus that's limited to negative results, negative effects, negative examples and depictions or instances. Now, I've been keeping an eye on deficit views in education for more than a decade, and I know they can emerge in research, practice, and policy. Here's how I've seen some deficit views show up in the health sector. First of all, in research. Two separate research reviews, one in rural health and one on sexual minority youth of color, each make two similar points. One is that the research in their field has been characterized by a deficit perspective, And two, that this has harmed the field and potentially those who work in it, as well as the patients being served. Now, one study on rural health found that the tendency of, quote, embedding a deficit perspective in research has stereotyped rural and remote health as poor environments to work in and as inherently problematic, end quote. The Second Literature Review of Health and Well-Being of Sexual Minority Youth of Color found that, quote, research with sexual minority youth of color has been framed by a lingering deficit perspective, rather than emphasizing normative developmental processes or cultural strengths. The authors go on to point out several gaps in the research base as a result of this perspective, and, quote, highlight areas for future research focused on minority stress, coping, and resilience of sexual minority youth of color. Some studies have found a deficit view in everyday practice. One study about how dentists perceive poverty and people on social assistance found a dominant deficit perspective, in which, quote, dentists explained poverty by individual factors and emphasized individuals' negative attitudes toward work and lack of capabilities, end quote. Significantly, quote, The results suggest the individualistic deficit perspective impedes the care relationship between dentists and poor patients. The authors of another paper on health systems suggest that, quote, Health system leaders and frontline clinicians are prone to to interpreting health literacy as a patient deficit. They remark that it is, quote, too easy to frame the problem as one that resides in the patient, that they have to develop certain skills, become more literate, be better able to navigate, use health services, and understand and follow orders. The authors maintain this perspective is, quote, implicitly reinforcing Paternalism. End quote. And then there's policy. A three year empirical study on the impact of a set of healthy school initiatives in the UK found that these policies quote, position the body as being in deficit, unfinished, or at risk, and therefore in need of rescue from conditions risks over which individuals or populations have increasingly less control. End quote. In the face of these policy pressures, quote, many young people not only take drastic action to lose weight and become ill, but also become seriously depressed. End quote. So why does a deficit perspective happen? Well, as providers, You have a problem focus when you meet with a patient. This is part of what the medical educator at the start was talking about. You're there for the complaint, the illness, disease, injury. You get to hear many things about what is wrong with your patients. I'm not saying this leads to a deficit perspective, but it does seem to exert quite a lot of pressure towards seeing patients as collections of problems to be solved. And one way to think about a deficit perspective is as having its roots in an ethnocentric bias. This is our tendency to take for granted our own cultural practices. Our cultural position leads us to celebrate particular virtues. That's all well and good until another tendency kicks in, the tendency to describe something different from us as something less than us. You could liken this to going to a new town, or even a new restaurant. We often judge it according to what it doesn't have that we're used to having. We focus on perceived weaknesses based on what we think is, or should be, normal, basic, fundamental, what it ought to be. This is the ethnocentric bias. And its effects are exponentially stronger when there is a marked power difference between the people involved. This was the big kerfuffle in anthropology in the early to mid-twentieth century. Unknown lands tended to be judged by Western European standards, so the language and customs of these new groups were not considered on their own terms, but rather were seen in reference to the ways of the dominant group, which tended to be where the anthropologists were from. I'm not sure how I could scientifically prove that a deficit perspective is a waste of time, but it seems reasonable to assume that it's, at best, naive and counterproductive. Here's how to begin to be aware of a deficit perspective. Turning away from a deficit perspective means being able to take some blinders off in terms of what normal looks like. This, in part, means... What you tend to take for granted that normal people do, in terms of reading, language use, learning, keeping healthy. What you would consider normal displays of intelligence, concern, curiosity, affection, commitment, and so on. Well, What do you focus on instead? Got two things for you. One, resources. All patience come to you with extraordinary linguistic, cultural, and intellectual resources. Just not always the same resources as you or as your other patients. The idea is to help people be healthier, live longer, so you need as many resources as you can get. Acknowledge the resources, including the richness of language and culture, that all patients bring to you. These resources might be overlooked or missed altogether because of the pressure to be looking for something else. And number two, reflection. Self-reflection plays a crucial role in this process. Make explicit to yourself how you name and define normal. Really, tease these meanings out. Have standards, but be ready to look closely at what yours are and at what it means to hold these standards rather than others. We can all overgeneralize and rely on stereotypes, and sometimes, or often, we do this without noticing. Some dangers may come when the differences are perceived as deficiencies on which further action is based. This has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Wiebel. Thanks for listening.